Welcome to GovNest, connecting with federal IT's top decision makers. I'm Alexander Bolova, production lead at GovCIO Media and Research. With me today is managing editor, Ross John Fortuna. Hi, Ross. Hello. You had the opportunity to chat with Caitlin Gandhi, the founder of the U.S. Digital Corps. How'd it go? It was great. Caitlin was a terrific guest. She uh, had a lot of interesting insights about the U.S. Digital Corps, obviously, but government in general and particularly bringing technologists uh, into government. And if I'm not mistaken, we've actually had quite a few people from the U.S. Digital Corps appearing on our podcast. I believe they are uh, predominantly cybercasts, but still, it's really interesting and cool to be able to meet the founder of this program. So tell me a little bit more about Caitlin and her background. Part of what was interesting and part of what I wanted to talk to her about was the gestation and and the way that the U.S. Digital Corps came about. You know, her background is fairly interesting. We started off the conversation about that because she came from Teach for America and the co-founder of U.S. Digital Corps Chris Wong came from Code for America. So USDC has elements of both of those inherent in its DNA, and it's unique among similar programs, even within GSA, things like the Presidential Innovation Fellows. And we kind of dug into that and and how her experience standing uh, US Digital Corps up has come over the last three years into being what it is now. And to take a step back, for those who don't know, what exactly is the U.S. Digital Corps? So U.S. Digital Corps is a program that's under GSA's Technology Transformation Services, which longtime listeners may know, uh, also the home of 10X. Um, We talked to Will Cahill about that. It's part of GSA where they they are trying to sort of do new things. And U.S. Digital Corps is a two-year fellowship for early career technologists, people in IT, to work in public service. So they come in, they have a two-year fellowship, like I said, and it's a lot of people who are assigned to different agencies. I know we talk to people who are at CISA and some of the health agencies. They get deployed to these different agencies to get their career started and uh, stood up uh, within uh, the federal government. Gotcha. And I know that uh, federal hiring and workforce is a passion of yours in your coverage. So I'm sure that this was a very exciting conversation. So with all of that in mind, let's take a listen to your interview. Caitlin Gandhi is the director and co-founder of the U.S. Digital Corps, a two-year fellowship for early career technologists working at federal agencies. Welcome to GovCast. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Before we dip into USDC, I do want to talk a little bit about you and your career. How did you get into public service and what has kept you in that line of work for as long as you've been in it? Yeah, it's a good question. I am newer to government service. I... Government service was not exactly on my radar when I graduated from school. So both of my parents are in state and local government, but I had never really thought about that as a career for myself. 
And so when I was graduating from school, I was a mathematician and a classics major, which is a very nerdy combo. Um, and was looking for things in like the precursor to the data science field. And so wasn't really thinking about government, but was looking at service oriented work. Couldn't find a great fit for our data science and service related work. Actually ended up teaching high school math here in Washington, DC with Teach for America. And that choice, it helped me build kind of an interesting winding career. I ended up as the vice president of talent strategy and people analytics at Teach for America which was the job that I had just before starting Digital Core. But there were a lot of parallels there. And I think as I was doing that work with Teach for America and we're bringing in thousands of recent graduates into a classroom, right, and as a term of service, I ended up talking to one of my friends literally in my backyard. We were just like shooting the breeze on a hot day with our kids. And he was like, we are, he is a technologist inside government. And he was like, we have, we don't know what to do with this problem. And it was all about how, you know, the workforce inside government is uh, not bringing in new skill sets. And like 3% of the federal IT workforce is under the age of 30. And it's not really about age, but it is about the skills and like the freshness of the learning and the training. It's also about the fact that a lot of them are, are starting to be eligible for retirement in the coming years. And so wanting to make sure that there's like a strong workforce given the role of technology. So we were really just spitballing around what could it look like to incentivize um, early career technologists to come into government as a career in, and then thinking about like the parallels with Teach for America in my case and, and that service design. And the brainstorming turned into like real conversations about what this might look like as a model and then turned into me joining GSA um, in order to co-found this program alongside Chris Kwong, who is my co-founder. Um, so that I had this meandering path back to government service, having never designed myself into a career here, I guess. Well, that segues into the founding of the U.S. Digital Court and how it came about. How did you pitch it? I mean, I see the TFA model is, is a big influence, but how did you come to GSA and everyone and say, this is what we're going to do? Yeah, I I think we lucked out in that it it was a known problem. <laughs> it's a known challenge, right? There were technologists inside government, my friend included, but many others that were talking about this space and like, what could we do? And so there was a lot of, there's like a groundswell of interest in trying to, to solve for this problem. Um, I had this Teach for America large model background. Chris, as I mentioned earlier, is coming from Coding It Forward, which is a in-college version, summer internship, almost version of Digital Core. It, it came first and we took a lot of ideas from that. But like the merging of those two structures and then really resonated with the, the folks inside government that we were talking to around like what kinds of practices might work here? What kinds of things might actually solve the challenge that we're talking about? So it was just like a lot of initial interest and enthusiasm for seeing what could be done. And so the logistics were harder than like getting investment on the idea, right? But um, we had a lot of people that, that know what they're doing inside government to help figure out how to incubate a new program. And we were really lucky to land um, inside GSA and then inside technology transformation services in particular, which is a, a subset of GSA focused on like service delivery of technology work to the federal government in various ways. 
And they're currently the home of Presidential Innovation Fellows, as well as 18F. Um, and those two programs are sort of mid and senior technology talent levels, but we were sort of the early career component that that finished off that like end-to-end -end talent continuum. So they sort of, everyone already kind of had these models and these ideas and could understand why something like this would work. And so we were able to come in and then do a lot of research about those programs, the centers of excellence is there inside TTS as well, US Digital Service, of course, and like learn a lot from those models and sort of pitch this new version, right? And as part of doing that, I think it's great to have this idea, but you really need to have the support. And so part of what we needed to do to get off the ground was also get some initial partners locked in for this first class. And so as we were iterating on the design of this thing, we were actually iterating live and like using our tech best practices, I guess, and like doing our user research with the other agencies to say like, if we had something like this, would you use it? Would you want to grab talent from us in these ways? What would hold you back from that? Like, what are your funding mechanisms? And asking all of those sorts of questions. And so we sort of did this ongoing iteration with user research to develop this model, which I think helped us build investment, made sure that what we were designing would probably land softly, but also built champions for our work along the way. So that when we did end up launching, which was August of 21, so just under two months after Chris and I joined GSA, actually, we launched formally. We had all this out the gate. And so when we launched, we launched with the White House in collaboration with OPM as well as CISA. And then, of course, some of these other partners like the VA were already there ready to support. And we could sort of announce ourselves with this ecosystem of validation kind of around us, which helped us build momentum from the beginning. And, uh, you know, we're just like a, a new program. We're asking people to take a risk on joining something new. And I think having those such strong partners that we were launching with give us a lot of credibility. Turf wars can always be an issue in government and across agencies. Cooperation, uh, I know it's something everybody talks about and wants to have more, but it can be hard. People don't want someone stepping on their toes. Was that difficult? Was it tough to get people together? And how much did GSA, which obviously works with lots and lots of agencies for various things, was that a help? Yeah. GSA has really strong relationships with other agencies and TTS did as well. And so we didn't really run into a lot of friction in those ways, honestly. Um, I think they're the partners that we were talking to it really resonated with them when we were like, we've heard there is a challenge in getting early career talent into your agency. Like, how are you doing with hiring early career talent? And we are, we're hiring for our fellowship at the GS9 level. They're on a career path to move to a career ladder to move to GS11 in the second year and then 12. And we were like, do you even have GS9 data scientists or GS9 engineers? And they were like, we don't. And we're struggling to, to bring them in. And we are like, great, here's what we're offering. And like kind of our value add is um, we're, bring, we're doing all of the recruitment. We're in all the places where this talent is. We're like actively seeking them and helping them learn about government and like their opportunities. We're also running the hiring process and we're doing the selection process and all the sourcing. So we're sort of taking the parts that are hard to do for every agency to keep doing individually and centralizing them. Uh, and so it's a little bit more efficient. There's some economies of scale and we can sort of specialize in those ways. And that was really appealing, coupled with the fact that they everyone uh, there seemed to be just challenges across the board in bringing in this talent as 
as easily as we would have wanted to as a government. So the uptick in the interest was really high. And even in our first cycle, so I mentioned we launched in August and we launched intentionally because we needed to source partners so that we could launch our applications so that we could get talent for our partners. And we had, I think in our first, we were hoping in our first year to hire 20 to 30 technologists. And in our first request for proposals, I think we ended up landing something like requests for 170 fellows from agencies. And we had only existed for two months and we had not even brought in our talent class yet. So we didn't even know what the skill sets of the folks that we were bringing in looked like, like the interest was that strong. So while maybe the, the premise of the question does exist, we didn't hit that particular friction point, I would say. Oh, for sure. I was just curious just because I know that can be an issue, but I know it's very attractive to have, considering how difficult hiring can be, some help with that, particularly on the technology side of agencies. Can you tell me about some of those successes that you've seen uh, at uh, U.S. Digital Corps since August of uh, 21? Yeah. I mean, personally, I'd say I was really proud that we came in launched this program publicly in two months and then had our first application cycle out two months later. So like within a year since the fellows start in the summer, um, after they've sort of completed their schooling, within a year, we went from this like idea, literally written at times on paper, but much more digital at times as well, to this fully functional program that was up and running where we actually brought in folks and had our orientation together. So I think the speed at which we were able to design and build a really strong product is something that I think is a big success. And I know there's sometimes a narrative that things take longer in government. And I think it's a really great example that that isn't true and things can happen more quickly, um, especially if folks are all aligned on the thing that you're trying to do. Another thing that I'm really proud of is we have this incredible community where we have been, you know, we're only two years old overall, a little over two years old, two and a half. And in that time, we have built an amazing team that I get to work with, but also we have over almost 90 amazing fellows. And part of the premise for both the team that we were hiring and then the fellows was like, we are going to co-create this together. Like we have not existed before. You were the founding class for our first group of 38 that came in. Like we need your help figuring out what this is. And I think what that has done is allowed us to iterate more quickly, make a lot of changes. We get feedback all the time from the fellows about how things are going and we're like making these shifts and changes. But it also means that they feel this like co-ownership in the, in the program and what that has engendered is like they're helping us recruit more folks that might want to come in or they're like making connections across the federal space with the agencies that they're in. So our current fellow class, we have, like I mentioned, we have almost 90 now. We're in about 20 different agencies. And one thing that I think is so amazing is what I've seen. And granted, I haven't been in government that long, but I'm seeing our fellow in this agency have a thing, ask this other fellow in this other agency, like, hey, how are you doing this thing? And then the agency teams are coming together to talk about it. And like, they're crossing that like agent, a perceived barrier, right? Between agency collaboration, because we have these two fellows that found a similarity in the thing that they're working on. And they're now like bridging all of these new connections across the government space, which has been like really interesting and exciting to watch. So I feel like there's this secondary level of impact that like the community that we're creating is having, which is really exciting. 
and then there's just a lot of stuff that our fellows are doing, frankly, that's really cool and has some big impact for the people of the American, the American people, the people that we're serving here, which like cannot be discounted. And they're, they're just doing really amazing things. And that's exciting. Yeah. I, I know we've talked to some uh, U.S. Digital Corp folks for uh, on our podcast about the work that they're doing in places like the CISA. I know one of the agencies you mentioned, and it is fascinating work and certainly, you know, speaks to sometimes non-traditional technologist pathways. There's a lot of different ways to come to the U.S. digital core, it seems like. But to that end, the future of it, how do you see it expanding? Do you, you know, certainly the uh, collaborative nature of it is something that can be um, spread out. Yeah. <laughs> spread is a good word. I think spread is in the in the future for sure. Yeah. I think your point around Jamila and, and some of the fellows, like we have an incredibly diverse fellow class and both in terms of gender and gender identity, as well as race and ethnicity and background, but also in terms of career path. And like, we do characterize the fellowship as an early career fellowship because we are hiring at that early GS scale level, but it doesn't mean that these folks are early in their careers. They're just maybe early in their technical careers. Right. And so we do have folks that are reskilling from the military or from law enforcement. We also have folks that are reskilling from library services and other different backgrounds that are coming in. And I think as we think about the future of Digital Core, one of the things that I hope we do internal to the program is continue to keep this spirit of like constant iteration and testing so that we can become even more specialized in how we're supporting our fellows with such unique backgrounds and contexts and needs, because we are finding, you know, the folks that are, this is their first job and it's their first job is in government and is in technology, need a different set of things to help them launch their career than those that maybe are more established in their personal career, but like are new to government or new to technology or whatever. So I think there's this like um, further differentiation of our support that we can like deepen in as a program. Um, and then I think to your point around spread, like we are still actively trying to get bigger. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier that stat around like 3% of the workforce is under 30. I think it's something like 26% of the federal IT workforce identifies as women, which obviously is not the proportion of women that encompass the labor workforce in America. There's a lot of room to grow. And a lot of places that we can spread with this like amazing workforce that we're bringing in. And so I do, we are hoping to scale and grow. And one of the things that I'm most excited about is we were just recently named as part of, I, I don't know if you saw the White House EO on uh, AI. So we were specifically named in that as a promising source of talent for the federal government. And we're really trying to lean into that, especially in this in the, like coming years. And so we're having a specific AI track within data science this year as we're hiring. We are actively soliciting more placements in the data science and AI space so we can really surge into that. And I think this is going to be um, obviously continuing to hire in all the tracks with all the skill sets are needed, but like we have a particular emphasis, I would say, here in the next couple of years. And I think that's it's exciting and it's exciting for us to kind of deepen and specialize in that way. Yeah, I imagine 2023 was quite a year for you and, and the U.S. Digital Corps, 
particularly when it comes to the White House, because you had the National Cybersecurity uh, Strategy, the National Cybersecurity Education and Workforce Strategy, and then the uh, Executive Order, all of which I imagine you're pretty hype about getting people through there, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, it has been really exciting for us. And I think it's really validating for us and for the fellows too, you know, to be like part of a program that gets um, seen in that way. But also, I think we feel a real responsibility, right, to them, like, help deliver on these things. And I think we can, it's great. I'm really excited about it. But I, but we take it really seriously. And so um, are excited about this class that we're hiring right now, we have we had our last application in November. And so the folks are in the hiring process right now that will start next summer for our third cohort. So it'll be, it'll be exciting, but you know, it's new, it's new territory for us in some ways. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot, you know, we've talked on GovCast with people about some of the stagnation, you know, some of the, the sort of conventional wisdom about government and things like that, but it does seem like there's a real agile development strategy here. That's very, very exciting. Is there anything we didn't we didn't cover that uh, we should talk about? I mean, there's always so many things <laughs> I feel like I could talk about related to this program. You know, I will say like one thing that I'm really excited about as a talent person. I know you started with like where did you come from, and I personally went from this place of like being a more of a technologist and a data scientist, and then really evolved into much more of a talent practitioner and like was using all that data background more in a strategy way and like a logic and thinking kind of way rather than a true data way. And so like as a practitioner of talent, I guess, moving in, I have personally been really excited to see over the past two years, so many shifts in how we're thinking about talent inside the federal government, how like GSA and TTS are exploring these like modern talent practices to bring in fellows and other technologists into government. And then with, um, you know, the shift in the employment situation in the tech industry, there's just been so much opportunity to bring in incredible folks to government. And I just think that there's been so much change and like recognizing the rate of change there kind of goes under the radar because it's so easy to pick on like, there are still so so many places that we could go. But I just I would say frankly, I'm just really impressed at the rate of change in hiring and in talent practices inside federal government and all like the new things. Like OPM just came out with their new direct hire authorities again. And it's just it's been really impressive to be part of government at this time, I think, especially in the talent space. It's definitely changed a lot since uh 2021 because a lot of the pandemic era stuff in hybrid work, I know I talked to Melvin Brown at OPM OCIO about how much hybrid work has helped him recruit for a fairly small office and scaling up this, this office that's fairly important, has a lot of sensitive data. He said, you know, opening up that pool just there really helps. And certainly the skills-based hiring versus the paper ceiling, as it's called, those, those kind of emphases over the past uh, few years, I think have really changed a lot of things. Yeah. I know. I agree. Um, for Digital Core, we were always interested in what agencies need, right? And that is evolving, you know, back and forth as they kind of think through different workforce policies. We do hire in all structures right now. And so we do have a number of fellows that are fully remote. We have fellows that are hybrid and they're going into their agencies a few days a week. 
And we also have folks that are going in full-time depending on the needs and like the security clearance and, and structures that are needed. And so like, we are really trying to live into um, attracting talent from all over the country with these new ways of working, right? And also trying to be maximally flexible for like what agencies need and being open to like as they evolve, right? So I think all of those designs and structures are, are exciting because without those changes, I, I think, or to say it a different way, like I think all of that flexibility has enabled us to attract this more diverse workforce, the stronger workforce in the tech space particularly. Um, so it's really exciting. Well, sort of on that note, uh, I know the administration has talked a lot about uh, DEIA, uh, particularly in things like STEM and in the cyber workforce. You mentioned, you know, getting diverse candidates, opening up the hiring pool as much as possible. Can you talk a little bit about that and, and how you're doing that at uh, U.S. Digital Corp? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of, that is part of our mission, right, as a program. It's it's to bring in great talent, and our definition of great talent is talent that reflects the experiences and the lived experiences of all Americans, that reflect the backgrounds and identities of all Americans. And so very intentionally when we are doing recruiting and we really focus on like the front end of that funnel. We want to make sure that everyone knows about our opportunities so that they can opt in so that our applicant pool from the get is highly diverse. So we're intentionally going through a recruitment strategy that has us in the places where technologists gather, right? Where folks with particular experiences are. And we every year look at the outcomes of our hiring process and identify where there's places where we need additional visibility, where some of those places where we had really high return on our time investment there and we got a lot of folks to apply. And we wanna make sure that we are in a wide variety of spaces. We are in traditional college campus spaces and career fairs, but we're also going to a lot of the tech conferences um, like Tech Korea or Grace Hopper, places like that where maybe government has less traditionally been, but now I will say I was at Grace Hopper personally in last September, and there was a whole tech to gov area. And there were probably, I'm guessing, honestly, but something around like 10 government agencies, give or take. And then there were a number of also government affiliated supportive organizations um, that were there. So like I mentioned, Coding It Forward before, or like Code for America, you know, places like that, that also are in this space. And we had some pretty high traffic flow, honestly, much more than I even expected. So I think the message is resonating too. Yeah, I imagine it's quite an attractive program, especially considering, as you, as you mentioned, the tech workforce and the upheaval uh, in industry. So um, that's something uh, certainly I imagine helps uh, with you know the labor force in that sense. I could go on about this forever. Federal hiring is like the thing I'm super, super duper interested in CX and federal hiring. And a TTS, um, I think, has done a lot. We talked to Will K.O. at 10X about some of the ways that, you know, his uh, little corner of the TTS is doing the similar kind of uh, disruption, I guess, is the SV term uh, of, of government. So I really uh, appreciate you being on uh, the podcast with us. Caitlin. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. I really enjoyed it. As I mentioned before, my first podcast. So thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you, Ross. That was a terrific conversation with Caitlin Gandhi.
Before we let our listeners go, do you have any last highlights or takeaways that you want to leave them with? Well, what I think was interesting that we talked about was how U.S. Digital Corps fits into the greater conversations about hiring in the federal government, particularly when it comes to the Biden administration's greater goals and priorities around diversity, equity, and inclusion. U.S. Digital Corps, they talk about early career technologists, but a lot of those people are people who are pivoting uh, from different careers or coming into new careers. And that's a sort of fascinating group because it isn't always the picture of what you think it is. And and it does expand this pool uh, to a much broader uh, group of people who can find opportunities that they may not have had otherwise. Thank you so much, Ross. Listeners can tune in next week for a brand new GovCast. But until then, if you like what you heard, make sure you leave a review and a five-star rating on the podcast platform of your choice. Subscribe as well. And hey, tell a friend. We always appreciate growing our audience. I'm Alexander Bolova. I'm Ross Jean Thank you for listening. GovCast, along with HealthCast and CyberCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at govcio.com. 